of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. And when the Bible speaks about <laughs> death, it's not talking about the demise of the human body alone, but it is a direct reference to what the Bible calls the second death, which is separation from God in the place that Jesus and the Bible refer to as hell. My dear friends, even in some of our churches, there is a lack of preaching the reality of hell. And I say today, if there is a heaven to gain, there is a hell to show. And we need to recognize God means what he says. And truly, people are on their way to hell today that need to change. They need to come to Christ because he is the only answer. And so I really just want to sound that warning note this morning. This new idea that all roads lead to heaven is not in the Bible nor in human experience. There is a way back to God from the dark path of sin. There is a door that is open and you may come in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. And so the fact is today that we need to be born again because of what we are. We're sinners and hell bound in the sight of a holy God. And can I tell you a third thing? We've traveled Canada for years and years and years. And Canada, in many respects, is still a reasonably religious country. More so than many countries in Europe and around the world. But it's religious for the wrong reason. And as a result, people are trying to earn their salvation. But you can't do it. You cannot earn God's salvation. Let me tell you two things. First of all, there is a tendency to believe that as long as you go to church, you've won favor with God. I would say with great confidence, there is not a church in Canada that can save your soul. And I mean, no church. If I lived in Dryden, I am sure I'd be applying to pastor for membership. <laughs> I've come to love Dryden over the years, and I mean that. that my wife will tell you I don't say that everywhere. I get some of and I say to her on the way home, well, that's the last time. <laughs> I, I, I go to some churches and I've been to more inspiring people. <laughs> At least the people in the funeral home know that then. <laughs> and if I had the choice, I'd be here. I said to my wife, oh, our pastor at home, if he saw the lineup on the platform today, he'd, he'd, he'd desire to put over here. His one desire is to see this for our church. Pray for us because we're not there. We're, lack, well, we're lacking in youth leadership. So if you want to go away and pray for anything, pray. The Lord will send us leaders. And if you've got any young people, uh, young couple, 
But you know that in a heart for Britain, you you tell Stephen and he'll tell me, and I'll be on their tail. <laughs> we might have, we're desperate for you to be We've got the money, we've got even a home for it, but we just need someone to step forward and say, yes, that's my desk. That's by the way, that's the answer. <laughs> but friends, I, I truly want to say this. Church will not save you. And I want to say this very, very clearly and carefully. You can come to this church every Sunday of your life and go to hell when you die. The church will not save you. And in Britain, and I believe in heaven, we have thousands who are depending on church. You can go to church you, you can do the kneeling, the standing, you can have the incense, the nonsense, the bells, <laughs> and all the rest. But it will not save your soul. And the other way you can it, I've observed, is that people imagine the good works get us to heaven. And so we become heroes in the community. We look after the elderly. We care for the children. We try to live by the law. But the law does not save us. It's by grace of you saved. And that's through faith. And the Bible says that's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Lest any should boast. My dear friend, you might be the best living person in this community. And I, don't, I say that very carefully. You may be. But it will not save you. Only the blood of Jesus saves us. And that's the core of the gospel. Because nearly 2,000 years, probably over 2,000 years ago, Jesus, and, and that very name, is God clothed in human flesh. The great miracle of Christmas. Yes, it, it is the virgin birth. It, it is all the wonder, the angels and everything. But hear me this morning. The greatest miracle of Christmas is this. God became a man. And Jesus came. And at the still very young age of 33, he was taken and he was nailed to a cross. That cross has become the symbol of the Christian faith. But more than a symbol it's the pathway to heaven. And Jesus was nailed to a cross. And as he hung on that cross and shed his blood, every drop of blood that fell on his ready ground cried out, I love you. I love you. Yes. God was being sacrificed that you and I might have a relationship by birth with him. You see, the Bible says, Christ was without sin. So why was he there? Sin produces death, and yet Jesus had no sin. How could he die? The fact is, he took our sins in his own body and died on a cross. Jesus paid the price. He died for you. 
Every one of you here today. Christ died for you. He took your sin. It was laid on him. And he died on the cross. That you might be saved. There's only one way to come to God. It's the way of the cross. But that's not even the end of the story. They took him down. They laid him in a borrowed tomb. Two and a half days later. The grave was empty. The stone was rolled away. Jesus is alive. And he's alive to meet Jesus Lord. And it is as simple as that. We come to the cross. We admit that we're a sinner. We believe that Jesus died to save us. We repent. That means we truly sorry for our sin. And we invite Jesus Christ to come in. I don't remember the day I was born. But I sure remember the day when I was born again. There was just a group of us I belonged those days, my parents were involved in a very, very legalistic denomination, very legalistic. And I thought when I was growing up that I was saved anyway because my parents, they were so godly. My dad was a preacher. But when I was 11 years of age, I sat with some of my friends in a little chapel, and the preacher preached the gospel. That night, because as a young lad, I stepped forward and I was born again. I remember so well. There were only four of us lads, and we stood at the front of this chapel, and the preacher was so excited he nearly took off. <laughs> and I can remember to this day the prayer he prayed. And he got so excited, he said, Lord, there are preachers getting saved here tonight. I thought, well, I hope it doesn't mean me. <laughs> I, I, I'm a preacher's kid. And I thought, I'm never going to allow people to treat me like they treat him. And I was determined to be anything but a preacher. And I guess the other three thought that. But today, I can tell you where those boys are. And they're all my age. So I guess, I know they're still alive, but that's about all I know. But they went on to be, one of them became a leading pastor in the Assemblies of God. Another one became an everlasting youth pastor. And I don't know if he ever did retire, but that was in the big church outside of London. The third one went to South America as a missionary. And the fourth one's doing his best in driving this morning. <laughs> and all four of us finished up in the ministry. And from a very legalistic church that didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. We all got baptized in the Holy Spirit and all served in Pentecostal churches. That was amazing. But I can remember being born again. And just before I, I'm going to go through the other points quickly because uh, I, I guess um, time runs away with us. At least I'm excited this morning. So I'm just enjoying myself. So allow me to enjoy myself. <laughs> Friends, I want to say this. It's the most important thing on this Mother's Day. Sure, you were born, it's very evident here today. But have you been born again? Can you look back to a day in your life when at the foot of the cross you lost the burden of sin? You fell in love with Jesus. 
and he dwells in you by faith this morning. Looking around, I can tell from many there's an amen. But maybe you're here this morning. You've come perhaps to honor error. But are you saved this morning? Fred, why go out lost when you could go out saved? Why go out disappointed when you could go out encouraged? Why go out sick when you could go out healed? Why go out empty when you could be filled? Jesus is alive. And he's in the salvation business today. I preached last Sunday where Anita Pierce is preaching this morning, actually. She's following my footsteps. She's probably clearing up and doing I did wrong. <laughs> and at the end of the meeting, two really elderly ladies, and I say that very politely as a gentleman, but two elderly ladies responded to the gospel. They had left it to their 70s and 80s to be born again. Why wait that long when you don't even know if you have that long? Put your trust in Christ. Be born again. Come into the family of God. Well, that point's taken so long, I'll just give you some homework now. I'll give you the other two points and you can work them out for yourselves. But if it's but a relationship by birth, it's fellowship by obedience. You see, personal relationship cannot be broken, but fellowship can. And when we are born again, we have to work at growing up in Christ, in the family of God. Parents and children need to obey God. And I think on this Sunday, it's very important to remember, although the Bible talks so much about fathers, what a position mothers are in, and how precious to have godly women at the head with their husbands of families. I was thinking, even just reading through some notes this morning before coming, you know, that lovely heritage that Timothy had. No mention of his father, actually, but it talks about his mother and it talks about his grandmother, Eunice and Lois. What an influence they had on his life. And to you, dear mothers, I want to say today, you are women of influence on children and on grandchildren. I just rejoice as I watch my wife I'm sorry I didn't bring her up to introduce her, but you can meet her afterwards. I, I can't announce for her. This is because pastors found out and one of the others have found out. Because of the years that just caused my wife to have an arthritis in her hands, and they kind of changed direction, um, please if you shake hands with her, would you do it gently? No Pentecostal handshakes. <laughs> Just the Anglican ones. <laughs> <laughs> and to make sure you don't step out of line, just give her a hug. <laughs> that's permissible, and that's my permission. <coughs> I have over the years, we've been married for 50, well, after 50, you know, you don't count anymore. <laughs> Five, she says. She gave me a high five. 
55 years ago, and I want to say this in tribute to her today, I watched her raise our children. I was away on crusades all the time, one backing onto another. I'd been away for months, virtually, on crusades. And I came home to see my children being raised godly, take their mother, and our grandchildren. Well, I just see that reflected in them as well. We have seven grandchildren now. I, I don't anticipate any more. Uh, we're working on great grandchildren now. But we have six grandsons. And the last was a granddaughter. I got fed up going away on crusades and buying t shirts. And I thought, why can't we have just one granddaughter at least? So we can get pretty dresses and not t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually our son and his wife obliged us. And we had a granddaughter. From then on, both our kids said, he's got his granddaughter, we're knocking off. <laughs> but I've watched my wife with a grandchild. Mothers, yours is a glorious job to be a mother and a grandmother. The great-grandmother means so much. And the Bible is full of instruction. And, and I just love it. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, we, we read of, of Eunice and uh, uh, the grandmother as well, Lois as well. It's very, very wonderful. And incidentally, in the English translation of the Bible, and I think the King James is used over here, as much as in England, although we have new translations, did you know, woman is mentioned quite often. Mother is used quite often. But only twice in the Bible, and it's in the second uh, letter of John, chapter 1, is the word lady used. And did you know that lady in the Greek is actually the female version of Lord? What an honor. And we need more ladies today. We need more women that take responsibility of leadership under a godly husband to work with our children and our grandchildren. That's by the by. But the Bible is very clear, and I'm not going to dwell on it too long. But in Ephesians chapter 6, we have amazing teaching. The first two verses, uh, there's young people in here today, so I mention it. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. I say to children and young people here today on Mother's Day, honor your mother. Honor your father. They're a blessing. You won't have them forever. And when they're gone, you will still honor their memory. I, I just thank God for my mother. My father was busy preaching, but my mother taught us in the home to honor God. I think she told us the stories of Jesus at the same time as she told us how to clean out. <laughs> Amazing. And I look back over the years and I am where I am because of a godly mother. Take the job seriously. Fathers, obey the Lord in that responsibility. And then there's a word 
for parents as well. Because we read again in chapter uh, uh, 5 again and verse 4, it makes it up to chapter 6 and verse 4. Listen to these words. And you fathers, take fathers and mothers together there, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Folks, if we want to see our children grow up in God, I'm telling you now, they'll not be taught that in the state school. They're taught that in the home. And it's our responsibility to raise our children. We only had two children. And I thank God for my children today. Our son is the associate pastor of one of the biggest churches in the Midlands. With really huge youth work right in the heart of the Sherwood Forest. And it just is so exciting. And I see him, I say, thank God. Thank God for a godly son. Our daughter, who at the moment is not walking as we wanted to walk, but nevertheless has a knowledge of who Jesus is. What a responsibility on us as parents. And so, if our relationship is by birth, our fellowship is by obedience. And just the last thing, I forgot that we're in Canada, British preachers, I mean, we preach forever. And it's accepted standard with us. You'll probably think your dear pastor is so brief now. So I just come for that reason, so that he gets the accolade. Instead of British preachers, of course, you know the Anglican Church, which is the Church of England, you're either high church or low church. But when they invite me to preach, they still try to work out if I'm high church or low church. But one thing they're sure of, I'm long church. <laughs> <laughs> but our attitude in Britain is if they don't preach for three hours an hour, they're not worth it. So I'll, I'll really draw to a close, otherwise, mothers, mothers, special bunches of birth. Which might be the get the fire. But, out of it all, relationship by birth, fellowship by obedience, finally, our inheritance is by Christ. Our inheritance is by Christ. By birth, we have a natural inheritance. Without embarrassing uh, the uh, Stephen and Kelly family. The thing that we've noted, staying within these few hours, has been the wonderful way that the children are like one and dad. That actually touched us. And it is, isn't it? You know, you, you meet people you've grown up with and you say, oh my goodness, there's no doubt who her mother is, or there's no doubt who his father is, and there is an inheritance in the way that we look, in the way we behave, and, and so on. Uh, you'd probably say, well, you should be my child. But that really is the truth. And, but not only that, but we're inheritors. We're inheritors of the Father. We're joint heirs with Christ. The scripture says in, one Roman, in the book of Romans, chapter uh, 8 and verse 17, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. 
And there's just three things I'm closing with. How are we heirs in the family of God? Beautifully laid up in the scripture. First is where we began. We inherited life. Hallelujah. We have inherited life. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3 and verse 7, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Thank God when I was born, my mother gave me natural life. But when I was born again, I received abundant life. But I tell you, if I had the years again, I would still rejoice in the abundant life. Can I make a confession to you this morning? And you would think in my old age I've grown up a bit, so I've conquered it. But if there's anyone think that upsets me, it's miserable Christians. <laughs> I can deal with it on everything else, but miserable Christians, I want to slap them. <laughs> and I know that the biblical laying on of hands is not slapping. <laughs> Sometimes it's more effective. <laughs> I can take it up my nose. It's living a lie. When we come to Christ, we come into a life of joy. Hallelujah. I thank God I, I, I was quite critical in my old age. And I was looking at everyone on the stage this morning. They were smilers. Even with maybe difficult chords or whatever. They were smilers. That's what we are. God puts a proper smile on our face when we come to Christ. And his joy unspeakable and full of glory. And a peace that passes understanding. That's the inheritance that we have. And I'm so bad, and no doubt pastor has expressed it before. But in the Greek where it says that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The Greek word is not used very often in the New Testament. But the Greek word that is used there for more is a continuing word. So the preacher would be right if he said they might have it more and more and more abundantly. Oh, it's a joyful life. A thrilling life. It's being born again. So we receive that inheritance in life, eternal life. And then in family characteristics. We say, like the Father, like the Son. That's how it should be for us. We have an opportunity to receive the nature of Christ and to be Christ in the world around us. How important that is. And then, of course, and a good note to finish on, we also inherit poverty. Inherit poverty. I conduct more funerals than this healthy these days because all those I grew up with are beating me to the job. And, you know, I have to say about people, you, you see people say, I wonder how much he left. <laughs> Truth is, he left everything. <laughs> didn't take one penny with him. <laughs> but what inheritance we have. In life, it's quite often the case that children inherit the home. So mum and dad lived in. 
And so it goes on and on. It's better than that. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Thank God we've inherited property. We used to sing an old, old gospel song, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I'm sorry for everybody here, of course, that reads the NIV, because you don't have a mansion. Read it yourself. You definitely do not have a mansion. Your translation is, in my father's house, are many rooms. <laughs> I'm not about to trade my mansion for a bedsit. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous. I've got a mansion. A prepared place. Heaven bound by the grace of God. And there's a lot of Heaven is our destiny. We rejoice in Bernard's funeral on Friday. Absent from the body, she's already present with the Lord. And oh, I'm so thankful. Maybe even to Canada, and I know it happened in England, but one day you might read, the evangelist Holy Stone is dead. Well, I'm with Billy Graham. Don't believe it! <laughs> I'll be more alive on that day than I've ever been on earth. By God's grace, I will change your dress. What about you? If I happen to be in driving for your funeral, what would the pastor have to say? See, this is real, folks. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after that, the judgment. You might not be prepared to meet Jesus as your Savior now, but I am telling you for sure, one day you will face it as your judge. We need to get back to where we started. You must be born again. And before Pastor comes back to conclude the service, and I do apologize if I've gone over time, just say, oh, thank God, this is farewell to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm job to do it again. And please don't be put off for tonight. Just because I've gone on a bit this morning. I try and keep time. And I'm old enough to get tired quickly, so it probably will be sure. <laughs> but before I go, I, I need to think of leaving this platform before giving you the opportunity. If you're not sure that you're saved, if you're not sure that you're heading for heaven, and you know the alternative, why not this morning? God is here. Say that from the beginning. Jesus right now is pleading with you. You hear my voice in the English accent. But God speaks to you in accents of love. And right now is inviting, come unto me. And that's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm not inviting you to come to this church. I'm not inviting you to come necessarily to a person. Except Jesus. I'm inviting you to come to the cross and let the cross make the difference. It did for every believer here. 
And you say, well, what else can you do? You might say, I'd like to be born again. I'd like to know Jesus in the way that you've spoken of this morning. But I don't even know what words to use. That's where I can help and have been privileged to help thousands around the world. I can at least give you the words that you ought to pray and give you a chance to pray it. And then I can simply pray for you before I sit down. And so this morning as we're in God's house in the sanctuary, if you're here this morning and you're not sure that you're born again, would you allow me to invite you to come to Christ? Come to the cross. And I'd love to do it the Bible way. And that's teaching what to pray. It's only a short prayer. And you don't have to pray it out loud because that could disturb other people. It's between you and God. In actual fact, friends, most prayers are silent from the heart, actually. They're not spoken out loud. But right now, you have that chance. I can help you by doing this. I'll give you the words of the prayer. I'll speak them out, and there'll be a pause, so that you can repeat those words in the silence and privacy of your heart. Make it your prayer. Come to Christ. And then afterwards I can quickly pray for you. I can invite you all to bow your head with me in prayer. This is not a spectacle, it's not a time to look around. This is personal between every individual and God. So as I pray this prayer, maybe you would pray it silently in your heart. The prayer goes like that. Oh God, I thank you today for your great love towards me. I confess I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I am sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died for me. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Take away my sin. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Please remain with your heads bowed just for this very brief moment. One thing that I learned very early on as an evangelist Long appeals don't make any difference. If God doesn't do the work, my pleading won't do anything. You're here this morning and you gently pray that prayer. Maybe you've been in church years, but you've never prayed to be born again. I would love the privilege of praying for you. I can't pray for you by name. I don't know your name. I certainly have no desire to embarrass you. But if you're here today in the main auditorium or in the balcony and you would say, Tony, I prayed that prayer, would you pray for me? And I'll tell you what I want to pray. I want to pray that you will understand what you're doing, that you'll receive the blessed assurance of salvation 
the joy, the peace, the life that we've been talking about, and the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Christ, which is needed in Dryden today. And so, wherever you are, if you would say, Tony, I did pray that prayer, would you pray for me? It's a very simple thing. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Maybe you'd be kind enough to hold it there until I, I look in your direction and then put it down again and I'll acknowledge it. If there's someone here today, you've never, until this morning, received Christ as your Savior, would you just quietly put up your hand? And I will, because I'll have a visual of who you are. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. I've received Christ as my Savior this morning. Father, I thank you that you never send out your word and it returns to you void. I thank you, Lord, you always have a purpose. And I pray for the one that has responded, or this is what I've seen, that responded this morning. And there are others who secretly in their heart have done so. I pray they might know that sweet assurance. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. That they might know the joy and peace that Jesus gives. And I pray that they might be truly a witness in the power of the Holy Spirit from this day forward. And Lord, I pray for all here this morning. Maybe some are not walking as they ought to walk and feel just a wee bit guilty today. I pray in Jesus' name that every backslidden action will be restored today and that they will walk in newness of life. And although we pray for the sick tonight, I pray for every sinner to go in the mighty name of Jesus. And to flood this place for the glory of God. Bless our dear pastors and the leaders of this church Bless this congregation. And indeed, in Jesus' name, I bless you. I bless you with the blessing of God that we might know fullness of life in Jesus. And we give you all the praise, all the glory for your name's sake. Amen. God bless you. I hope to see you tonight.